Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner, assistant sports editor for multimedia at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Back with Seth Engel, our Post-Gazette and Daily Collegian Penn State insider for our weekly Penn State football and more podcast. Um, Seth, not a ton of news to digest this week on a local level, uh, but a lot going on around the country. So we're going to talk about um, some big transfer portal uh, pickups for Penn State, and then we're going to get into some of those national storylines and how they might impact the Nittany Lions. How are you? I'm doing really well, yeah. it's uh, We're in the, the midst of, of the offseason now. Um, Penn State finally making some moves in the portal. Um, you know, obviously some some big national news there with, you know, Nick Saban retiring, Kalen DeBoer now in. Um, so looking forward to breaking that all down with you. Yeah, I think we – so last week we talked about Julian Fleming, Nolan Rucci um, basically coming back to Penn State. They were guys that were, were real hot on Penn State in the recruiting process, end up going to other programs out of state, but now they are back in Pennsylvania with Penn State. Um, so those were big pickups. We also mentioned that we thought A.J. Harris – had been crystal balled to Penn State. Mm-hmm. That commitment comes through this week. Um, former five-star, went to Georgia, um, still has a lot of years left. What are your thoughts on Penn State You know, finishing off that pickup, given the way they looked in the Peach Bowl and, and how they, the defensive secondary was looking a little bit soft for next season? Yeah, I think we spent you know a majority of, of the last episode talking about how Penn State had to go out and not just get one corner – but get two. Um, so they get A.J. Harris, which is a huge pickup, but then they're able to go out and get Jalen Kimber, another guy with, you know, years of, of SEC cornerback experience. So Penn State does get the two of them. So I think that's that's a big deal, um, the fact that it wasn't just one. But, I mean, A.J. Harris is one of the most prolific transfers in the entire country, um, you know, not just in the secondary. But, you know, this this guy is – uh, I think it says something when you burn your red shirt at Georgia, you know, that's, that was a loaded secondary this past year, maybe, maybe the best cornerback room in the entire country. Um, and he was still able to, to play seven games. Now, maybe that's because, you know, Georgia was blowing teams out. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it's like seven games is seven games. And we've seen it's hard for, for freshmen to, to burn their red shirts. Like it, it says something about what they're able to do in practice. So where how do you look at this this secondary group now? They've got some some decent internal options, but obviously they looked a little bit soft in the Peach Bowl. You add AJ Harris with some youth and upside to the mix, and then you mentioned uh, Jalen Kimber. He brings he brings experience. Do you think that was the total package that they needed to kind of go into next season with with expectations that you know maybe you're not going to be as good as when you have Kalen King and Johnny Dixon right off the bat, but but that you um, 
you know, you have upside and, and some potential to grow into being a, a pretty solid secondary once again um, with Tom Allen in his first year as defensive coordinator. Yeah, I think it's huge. And I think that, you know, Cam Miller um, still has potential to be a good cornerback. You know, he did struggle in the Peach Bowl, um, as did the, the two freshmen, Zion Tracy and Elliott Washington. But I think, you know, with another year to maybe play more, um, but then also, you know, kind of still learn the ropes with with some other, you know, guys ahead of them for another season, I think that that could be, you know, useful. Um, I think that could be good for, for, for all three of those guys. And I do think playing time is still going to increase. I just think this is, you know, a win-win for, for, for all the, uh, for, for the whole secondary. How do you think that group ends up shaking out? I guess maybe one through three um, and, and who, who wins out in those competitions. Obviously you still have to get them on campus. We've learned from the, the Dante Cephas experiment that uh, sometimes these transfer portal additions are, are not um, sure things. And, and that, you know, things can go sideways as well. But just right. as we sit here today, Seth, um, you know, if you had to pick a one, two, three from the group that they have and the, and the group that they've picked up, how would you, how would you stack them up? Uh, well, I do think AJ Harris is going to compete for a starting spot. You know, I don't know, maybe Kimber also earns that, that starting role as well, just based on the fact that this is a guy who's, you know, he's played like five years already. You know, this, this is a guy I think – I know James Franklin doesn't like to make promises, but this was a guy who, you know, already had a pretty solid role at Florida, um, you know, had a couple of years at Georgia as well. Like he's played college football. Um, so I do think that he probably, you know, if he doesn't earn a starting spot, he earns starting minutes. Um, and I do think Cam Miller is right there with, with the rest of the three, you know, despite the fact that he struggled, like, he knows the program. He's been there. He's worked his butt off over the past couple of years. And um, he was that number one corner in the Peach Bowl. Um, and then I would kind of have the freshman trail a little behind um, that group of three. But, you know, right now, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. It, it is hard to say. But um, I think any of the three of them could earn a starting role. And if one of them maybe moves to nickel, maybe all three do. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I, I don't think you bring some of those guys in from the portal unless you intend to, to give them every chance to start, right? And and you do have that that youth and inexperience. So you, you give yourself a chance to build some depth, depth if you let some of those other guys play. Um, but, you know, curious to see how those competitions play out. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there were surprises, right, between now and then because there were certainly, you know, surprises in terms of what they brought in last season. Um, you got to get them. You got to get them in the system, and then and then figure things out. So I think spring ball is going to be very interesting in that regard. Um, the other portal addition, possibly noteworthy, Logan Cunningham. Um, well, I think he was going to Marietta D three, uh, but he played with Quentin Martin, one of the the big um, names they pulled in in this year's recruiting class at Bell Vernon here in Western PA. Um, he joins. He's he's a receiver. Um, maybe not the receiver. I think. People may have been wanting to see the, the Penn State pick up in the transfer portal. I think they were probably shooting a little higher than a, a D3 type of guy. But, um, you know, he's got some ties to, to the program nonetheless. Do you see him as, as having a chance to be more than kind of a depth option in this offense? Yeah, not 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 much there. Um, I mean, there, there's obviously a chance, you know, once he comes in and um, gets some work in. I, I think it is good, you know, to kind of have those ties with Martin and, you know, the Pennsylvania area. Um, but I, I don't see him making too much of an impact. Um, same goes for, for Jordan Meyer, who is, you know, the other transfer addition from Wisconsin. Um, 
you know, it's him and Rucci kind of coming over. Uh, I think Meyer's also another in-state guy. Um, you know, these are guys who are going to have to work. You know, it's 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 hard to transfer over to any program. It's another to transfer over when you weren't too highly touted. It's not like these guys were necessarily, you know, recruited, you know, too heavily out of high school. You really have to get to know the coaching staff and get to know kind of the guys around you and uh, and make an early impact. Um, and I, I do think that enrolling now, rather than roll, enrolling in, let's say, June, like Dante Sebas did, I do think that, you know, gives you a bit of a head start. And I think that that's important. Seth, the other big uh, personnel move this week was uh, at, at special teams coordinator Stacy Collins out, goes to Boise State. Um, Justin Lustig um, comes in. And from Vanderbilt, does that move move the needle for you at all in, in terms of, of Penn State's, you know, moving forward on that side of the ball? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a bit of an upgrade. You know, props to Stacey Collins for what he did at Penn State over the past couple of years. Um, you know, his ties to the West Coast and also really solidifying um, that place-kicking, field goal-kicking kind of unit this year um, where there was the whole debacle with Sanders Ahedek losing his job week one to Alex Falcons. Um, Falcons kind of holding it down the rest of the way. Um, but I do think that that loose dig is an upgrade, you know, in terms of recruiting um, and also personnel. Like this is a guy who was a Broyles Award nominee for nation's top assistant coach in, um, in 2018 with Syracuse. And he's done a solid job with Vanderbilt, um, you know, having coached at Syracuse and Vandy. He has ties to the East Coast, but he also has ties to the South, um, which is something that I think Penn State, you know, really wants to kind of, you know, solidify when it comes to recruiting. So I think I think it was a good hire. Nationally, Seth, obviously the big story is Nick Saban retires from Alabama. Kalen DeBoer comes in from Washington. That's kind of an impact on, on Penn State because um, Kalen DeBoer is going to be on, on Penn State's schedule next season. Now he's not. Jed Fish is in for that Washington program. Um, what's your big picture now of, of how that program fits into the Big Ten and, and how – you know, a team like Penn State matches up against them coming off a national title game appearance. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Yeah, I do think Alabama has just become such a powerhouse where they're always going to be competitive. Um, and I think Kalen DeBoer is, you know, one of the best co- one of the best coaches in the entire country. I think he was a good hire, um, but he wouldn't have been my first choice, you know, honestly. Like, this is um, – I, I thought that the pool was small and Kalen was obviously on it, but – um, to not be able to kind of bring in a, a Steve Sarkeesian or Dan Lanning, um, who has coached in the SEC um, and been successful in the SEC, um, you know, it's a bit a bit questionable. Like, this is new. This is going to be very new. Um, it's going to be a new look Crimson Tide, and um, we'll see what the fallout continues to look like in terms of, you know, coaches coming and going and, and transfers. But it definitely shakes things up on, on the national stage, um, you know, with Penn State you know, now trying to win a national championship or at the very least make a 12-team playoff, um, this is a team that's, you know, going to be competing as well. And who knows, maybe we'll see a Penn State-Alabama matchup one of these years. Um, 
thoughts on, on Washington and, and where they go from here? Yeah, Washington. I mean, getting Jed Fish, um, probably the next. It, it's interesting when you kind of see the carousel uh, come to life, right? When one coach goes to the next and then one guy moves up. Um, I mean, Fish did a great job at Arizona, um, which is a team that, you know, had struggled in, in past years um, and really made that, you know, a, a pretty dominant program um, this past season, which is it, it's hard to do um, down there. Um, I think that it's a good fit. You know, DeBoer was able to make it work um, coming over from from Fresno State. So if he was able to do that, I think Fish, you know, probably has more background having done it, you know, at a, at a bigger school. Arizona. Um, but to lose, you know, not just a board, but also Ryan Grubb, your offensive mind, and then your your generational quarterback and Michael Penix, it's it's not easy. Um, but but I do think that Jed Fish was a was a good hire and I'm interested to see what they what they're able to do. Um, I think an interesting angle to this uh, is, is that there's been a couple Tom uh, Tom Allen connections, right? To yeah. to what's going on at Alabama. Um, you obviously have Kalen DeBoer was, um, you know, ran Tom Allen's offense for a year. Uh, Kane Womack appears to be the choice as, as defensive coordinator. Um, th- does that matter if you're Penn State? Does, does that kind of show how well regarded a guy like Tom Allen is and, and why he was a nice get for Penn State at defensive coordinator? It's definitely cool to see it kind of play out uh, where, you know, I think maybe Tom Allen's best trait of all was the fact that he was able to, kind of recruit some great coaches and, and, and make some, you know, pretty substantial hires that have, you know, definitely paid off and um, we're continuing to see them climb in the coaching world. Um, you know, I don't think anyone really knew who Kalen DeBoer was when it, when it came to 2019 or 2020 and um, right after those, you know, pretty successful years, you know, De- DeBoer finds some success at Washington. I mean, he, and Fresno state, I mean, he really hasn't, really hasn't lost as a head coach. Um, and then Kane Womack as well, which is, you know, he's a guy that I think a lot of people look at and they say, well, Tom, can Tom Allen even coach defense, you know, without, without Womack? Because this was a guy who came in um, after Tom Allen had been coaching, you know, defense primarily while also serving as head coach. And he stepped back a little to let Kane handle the business. And when Kane left, Tom Allen took back over and, you know, Indiana's defense started to, to show some struggles. So, um, you know, great defensive mind, but uh, I really do think the question there is, you know, can Al- can Tom Allen um, go back to successfully coaching, um, you know, with with an eye on the defense? Um, Seth, want to get into a couple other big storylines. Number one, I think is is how many guys Michigan has lost to the NFL draft. Uh, JJ McCarthy, Blake Corum, Roman Wilson, um, just to name a few. Uh, do you see that as a possible leading indicator of, of Jim Harbaugh's intentions? I, I know we saw he interviewed with, I think, uh, at least the Chargers. Uh, I haven't seen anything else yet. But but do you look at the way those guys are, are kind of saying we're moving on rather than come back to, to try to go back-to-back um, as a possible leading indicator that, that Michigan is, is going to be you know going through a, a period of rebuilding here? Yeah, I think definitely. I mean, next year is going to be – Interesting for a number of reasons, but, you know, Michigan, which has been far and away, you know, most dominant team in the Big Ten for the last three seasons, um, is going to look very, very different. You know, not having Jim Harbaugh, um, I know they didn't have him for, what was it, eight games this year, um, but to not have him as their head coach at all is, is you know, significant if it happens. And, 
Um, obviously, J.J. McCarthy also declaring for the draft. Blake Horam's gone. Uh, Roman Wilson's gone. Like, that was their offensive core. Um, I think Donovan Edwards is the only one who's um, really announced that he's returning. Um, but I do think it's pretty obvious that if Harbaugh goes, it's probably going to be Sharon Moore um, as the next head coach. And, you know, that was that was a guy who, you know, coached against Penn State this year when Harbaugh was suspended. Um, and he's shown that he's able to do some things, you know, whether whether it's on offense or uh, or whether it's in recruiting. Um, I think that, you know, he's probably the guy to hold down that fort. But Michigan is Michigan. Um, it's hard to see them not really having success, especially after you know, riding the coattails of a national championship, but, um, you know, changes come and changes go in college football. So we'll have to see what happens with that Wolverine program. Yeah. We'll have to see whether it's a plus or minus that Penn state does not have Michigan on the schedule this year. Um, you know, it could be, if they bounce back, well, you, you might be, you know, as Penn state, you might say that's, that's good. The Penn state doesn't have to play them, gets to play other big 10 teams. Um, or you might say that was an opportunity for, for a bigger win that, that maybe Penn state doesn't get because of, um, the, the conference realignment where, you know, now you're not facing Michigan and Ohio State every single season. Um, you know, uh, it's something we're going to have to look at at this time next year to, to, to know for sure whether it was a good thing or a bad thing. But, um, you know, for now, I think it's just interesting to watch from afar. Seth, uh, any reaction to uh, Sean Clifford getting into a, an NFL playoff game before Kenny Pickett did? Yeah, that was wild. Um, I don't think anyone would have predicted that. Um last time, you know, Penn State and Pitt played. Uh, but props to Sean Clifford. Like, that is a good job. You know, being a backup quarterback in the NFL is great, but, like, to do it with the Green Bay Packers, who are now, um, you know, one of the – I guess one of the more fun teams in, in the NFL, um, it's good. You know, and I'm happy for him. I really am. You know, Sean, Sean is a good guy. Um, he worked his butt off at Penn State, and there were ups and downs, but – he made he made a football career out of it, even when I don't think a lot of people thought that he was going to. And and to see him kind of play in the in the playoffs there, you know, it was it was pretty exciting. Um, you know, there have been a number of uh, you know some other Penn State players in the playoffs this year, but um, Sean Clifford's a guy. I just I don't think a lot of people were were expecting to see you know play at that level. Um, you know, especially after watching him over the past couple of years. Yeah, I think it's I think it's good for the program that the Trace McSorley was able to find. You know, I mean, he's he's made something of a career. He he's never started for any like long periods of time or anything like that. But you know, he's been able to bounce along, bounce around the league, cash some checks for for several years at this point. And and you know, I think you have to have the same hope for for Sean Clifford. And I think that matters if you're Penn State because they don't have that kind of history of, of guys at least at the position. Obviously, you have you know, Michael Robinson kind of move around, right? And and he made quite a, a nice career for himself. As um, a fullback. Yeah, but, but it wasn't as a, as a, right, it wasn't as a quarterback. So I think it's important to show recruits that you can come to Penn State and, and you can get a job in the NFL and, and you know, kind of have, you, you'll get your chance. And, and that's, that's more than I think you could have said about Penn State for, you know, a lot of the end of that Paterno era between, um, you know, Morelli and, and uh, you know, like Rob Bolden and, and those guys who got starting reps. Um, I think it's it's a good sign for Penn State that they're getting guys into the league and, and have something to point to with recruits. Um, yeah, other programs may have more, but at least Penn State has more than it has, at least in its its recent history. Um, Seth, I'll get you out of here on this. Basketball team gets smoked inside by by Purdue. Just Just nothing for them. It seems like they're going to, you know, 
They're going to match up decently with teams that, that can't obliterate them inside. But when you face a Zach Eady and Purdue, they just don't have – it seems like they just are not going to have a lot of hope for the rest of the season. Yeah, that probably goes for most teams in the country. Um, but this was the same problem we saw last year too where it was Keba Jai um, who was getting kind of worked in the paint. And then this year, you know, you think that things might improve with, with Kudus Wahab who's, you know, a pretty defined and experienced center. Um, but it really hasn't. You know, and outside of him, I think there's just kind of a lack of talent um, in, in that front court. You know, the guards, as we've seen, are, are capable. Um, Kanye Clary's been pretty outstanding this year. Ace Baldwin Jr. probably could win Defensive Player of the Year in the Big Ten. Um, I think I think he's uh, – what, he has like 13 steals over the past two games. He had eight steals in one game um, against against Northwestern. But, you know, those, those centers – are just not getting it done. I think having Favor Aray back, you know, after that long injury helps. Um, but you got to think about it like this. This is an inexperienced basketball player as it is. You know, he's only been playing for a few years. He only played in a couple games in Miami last year. For him to miss, you know, eight weeks and then come back, and now he's just in the bulk of Big Ten play, and in one of his first matchups is Zach Eady. Like, that's hard to do, and – um, and Meech Lilly, you know, also kind of just trying to figure it out. But um, if Penn State wants to find success down the road, they got to figure it out in the post. You know, they re- they really got to figure it out. And um, it, it just has not been been pretty there the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I think it's just going to be hard to, um, you know, it's going to be hard to shoot your way out of that problem the way you did last season, right? And, and, and that's what Penn State had the luxury of was just kind of just generational right. shooters right. All around that that could that could you know when they were on it didn't matter what kind of defense you were playing in the post you could outscore teams you could um, you know beat them that way they don't have those guys this year that's no slight on Ace Ball when Kanye Clary they're playing well I think they're good players it's just they can't you know the two of them can't make up for those shortcomings the same way a Jalen Pickett did um, you know, and, and, and that's, that's, you know, that's no fault of their own, but, but that's the program building that Mike Rhodes is going to have to do. Um, Seth, any, any final thoughts on, on Penn state topics this week before we sign off? Kind of, kind of, we're going to have these podcasts be a little more slimmed down, I think, um, in the absence of any, you know, super meaty topics, uh, between now and spring ball. No, I think, I think we covered it for now. You know, we'll see if there's some more transfer additions. I don't know how soon they'd, they'd probably bring people in now that the semester started. Like, this was their bulk that they wanted to get in now. Um, but we'll see what happens. You know, they're they're always kind of moving pieces, and um, there's definitely going to be, you know, some personnel shifts, maybe with analysts and grad assistants, not as, you know, big news. But, um, you know, the things are shifting in college football, and things are shifting in state college. So we'll, we'll have it all covered. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how spring ball impacts. You know, maybe maybe there are a couple more guys that don't find themselves in the roles that they won in other programs, and and, and maybe you find a, a couple of guys. I think, you know, again, we go back to the Dante Cephas thing. I don't know if you want to pick guys up so late in the calendar, or at least pick up guys that you're planning to rely on. You know, yeah. when once we get into like May, um, but you know, still, hopefully, you can find a contributor or two if if that person doesn't find the role they want in their current program, but. Uh, Seth, thanks for joining me today. Um, we'll be back next week if if there's news, and uh, look forward to talking to you then. Awesome. Take care, Adam. Take care, everyone. We'll talk to you again soon.
Thank you for checking out this content from Post Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com. <laughs>